this. Ugh, this is so boring. What else is on? Welcome to a brand new episode of Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, an exclusive podcast for Geeky Girl Experience. I'm Hope Molinex, and I make my friend Chris Honeywell watch all my favorite animated shows. In this episode, when Stan throws a big party at the Mystery Shack, Dipper uses an off-kilter copy machine to make clones of himself so he can impress Wendy. Meanwhile, Mabel stands up for her two new friends to, and fights for the title of Party Queen. We're talking about Gravity Falls Double Dip, Double 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 dipper this week i was gone such a good run there and then i just didn't <laughs> how you doing chris good you having a good week so far so far the weather's beautiful here it's finally summer here that's how it works here it goes winter fall for two seconds and then summer it's 80 degrees there's bees out my strawberries are starting to have flowers all over them so yeah, it's really nice here, too. I actually, um, well, it's cloudy today, but I have all my windows open, so it's, like, nice and cool. It's, it's actually not that hot, hot today, but it's going to be hot later. I've been so starved for sports, I started watching marble racing. What racing? Marble? Like... Marble racing. Marbles. Like, ball, I like thought little glass... I thought you said marboat, and I'm like, what are marboats? That sounds no. actually very interesting. Marble racing sounds like it could be interesting. It is interesting, because there's one channel in particular that does it as if it's actual, like, like NASCAR racing. So they do commentary, and they're like, and the Mercedes ball has taken the lead, and oh, they went through that turn real hard, and, and Jaguar took a, like, overtook them. You it's gotta really... do that. That's, like, most of the reason people tune in. Yeah, so I started watching it today because John Oliver actually did a piece about it. And I was like, this looks interesting. And I finally sat down and I started watching it. And I was like, I don't know if I'm just really starved for sports or if this is actually good, but I love it. (laughs) It's probably both because it's both really good and I'm super starved for sports. I heard in Britain they were doing horse competitions on through a video game simulation. They've been doing NASCAR e-racing and one of the drivers just got in trouble because they paid a professional uh, video game player to race for them. That's funny. <laughs> so they ended up getting fined for that. It's, it's, it's such a weird world that we live in right now. Well, speaking of weird worlds, you want to talk some Gravity Falls? I'm ready. Did you like this one? I did. I actually am feeling a great sense of relief right this second. It reminded me of a movie, uh-huh. and I could not think of the name of the movie for the life of me. And I know I could have done a little Googling around to figure it out, and I was like, maybe Hope will mention it in the in the show information or something. But I don't see it in there, but I just remembered it. Multiplicity. Oh, oh I've never seen that movie, but I always saw the cover for it. I saw it when it first came out, and I don't remember much about it. I just know the cover has the guy with the girl, and then, like, the guy is, like, multiplying, just like, guy, 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 guy. Yeah, yeah, he basically had a cloning machine, like Dipper. He basically had a cloning machine that was a, like, more scientific version of the copying machine. And was having, you know, was was copying himself to get stuff done, but the clones were messing. Definitely, there was some inspiration there. I think it was Michael Keaton. I honestly don't know because I've never seen it. It got good reviews. I remember enjoying it. I don't remember much about it at all, if hardly anything about it, except that he had a lot of clones, which you could pick up from any trailer. <laughs> I know he... less about it than it is in any trailer right now. Did he get the girl, yes or no? Oh, yeah. I, th- I think he was married. I want to say he was already married at the beginning of it. It wasn't a get the girl. I think it was an overworked and then trying to not be overworked and then having the clones caused a snowball effect of of bad effects that he had to make more clones to fix and onward and onward and onward, that sort of thing. Into a Gravity Falls episode. Yeah. (laughs) All right, well, let's get started. Double Dipper is the seventh episode of Gravity Falls, and it aired on August 10th, 2012. It is written by Tom McKeon, 
Uh, Michael Rianda and Alex Hirsch. The directors were Aaron Springer and Joe Pitts. And the storyboard artists were Matt Braley, Mark Garcia, and Alonzo Ramirez Ramos. Some extra information for you. I'm about to butcher everyone's names. I'm so sorry. Woo! I'll help if I can figure it out. <laughs> Pacifica Northwest is voiced by Jackie Buscarino. Bus- I, I'd like Carino. to think it, Carino. so. But you have to get give it a little Italian. Go, Buscarino. Bus- Jackie Buscarino voices Pacifica Northwest. That's what her friends probably called her when they, you know, oh, hey, Buscarino's here. <laughs> her other works include Adventure Time, Rick and Morty, and she was a producer for Steven Universe as well as the voice of Vidalia on Steven Universe. Grinda, and I did not know this until I did this outline that Grinda even had a last name, but it's hilarious. Grinda Grindinator, the Grindinator, <laughs> is voiced by Carl Faruolo. Favuolo. His other works include Sanjay and Craig, which he was both a voice actor and a storyboard artist for. Candy Chu is voiced by Nikki Yang. She's best known for playing Lady Rainicorn and Bimo in Adventure Time, but she was also a storyboard artist on several series, including Family Guy. This episode reveals that Dipper's uh, name is actually a nickname. While Dipper's real name is never revealed in the series, it is revealed in the published journal number three, which you can like buy on Amazon or whatever. Dipper's real name is actually Mason, possibly being a tie into the Masonic Eye of Providence imagery used throughout the series. Yeah, it fits with the just general conspiratorial... I just realized when you were reading this also, too, that this came out in 2012, which was a big conspiracy, end of the world coming, my calendar year, (laughs) all that stuff was going on when this came out, so it was in the perfect environment for all the stuff that's in this. Oh, you're, you're right, I forgot about that. And finally, here is Dipper's full Wendy plan broken down into 20 points. Step one, smile. Step two, wear clean pants. Step three, compliment her look. Step four, laugh at her jokes. Be nice. Block Robbie. Wear fitted clothing. Wear a tie. Talk to her like a normal person. Describe how she smells. Make her laugh. Agrees with everything she says. Pretend you're fun. Pretend you're confident. Mop up sweat. In parentheses. In private. Lose burrito smell. Pretend to be to read smart books. Use deodorant everywhere. Display Monster Mon knowledge. And step 20. Do not display Monster Mon knowledge. <laughs> I just like the lose burrito smell. I like I like the like how it just goes from like, yes, these are normal things to like, oh my god, now these are like dipper things. <laughs> so, Chris. Yes. I'll let you start. What was your favorite part of the episode? I had two favorite parts that are almost ar- be argued into three parts, but I like I like Grenda and uh, the girl with the fork figures. Uh, that's Candy, Candy and Candy. Grenda. I I like them. They're unusual weirdos too for cartoon where you have the weird kids. They're they're imaginative weird kids. A a, l- a little like stocky girl with a man's voice <laughs> and uh, and a lizard. Oh, that's right. She has a lizard too. Yeah. That's what's funny about it is the lizard is the least interesting part of her. And then you've got the girl who's just like, I, these are making, almost making jokes of like obscure, weird uh, Japanese punk rock movies like Tetsu, Tetsuo the Iron Man with her like, we improve on the human body. That's actually a really good point I didn't think about because a lot of times in shows when you have the quote unquote weird kids, they're like the kids dressed in black to the point yep. where where the weird kids are now a stereotype of like what you think weird kids are, and they're like goth kids or something. They're, they're, they're like so a these, variation these are on very like new kind of weird kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think what did that in the is Wednesday Wednesday Adams from the Adams family. Mm-hmm. I think she was such a successful iconic weird girl with those two Adams family movies that they put out. I don't know in the early two thousands maybe, or maybe they were even in the ne- late nineties. But like that, it was like the Adams Family and Adams Family Values. And like ever since then, Adams Family movie came out and then she was kind of the focus of Adams Family too because she was the most popular character. Even in the like newer animated Adams Family, there's a lot of focus on her because she's she's one of the more popular characters in, in the show. 
And so, yeah, you usually end up with a goth girl or, and these two are kind of more just like, they're more just like unique people. They're, they're not fit into any kind of like archetype of weirdos, you know, they're weird. And I guess maybe weird Asian girl could be an archetype or something like that. I don't know. I, I just thought they were I just thought they were interesting characters. I like the introduction of them. And you can kind of imagine like they're also in a small backwater town in Oregon. There's probably right. not a lot of like Asian girls anyway. So she's probably already like yeah, just, no, just being Asian together. is. Yeah, they're, they're probably together because they filtered down to the opposite end of the popular pool is as um, as we see with Pacifica. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, my other my other favorite part was I just like the bad journey song, <laughs> the bad don't stop believing, because I've seen start. I've seen that like I've seen that that is like go for the easy slam dunk karaoke song I've seen it a million times I worked at a bar, and they they captured the essence of the stupidity of that song too so I enjoyed there were there were more adult jokes in this one. This one had the most stuff that appeals to like some of my cultural stuff. <laughs> this one pushes some some lines. We'll get to that when we get to your favorite part. I definitely love "Don't Start Unbelieving." Yes. Don't never no. I what is it? Never don't not never don't not feel your feelings. Is I think it is. And I, I did, that's one of my favorite things about Gravity Falls is that. They're not going to pay for fucking copyrights to play no. Don't Start Unbelieving. They're just going to make their own damn version. And, like, now we have Disco Girl so and this So much better, one. yeah. It's so, so much great. better. Well, with my favorite part, I'm going to say this point, but I have nothing to back it up with. I've looked for years, not just for this, like, for years, into multiple, like, interviews and articles and stuff like that. And if I ever get a chance to ask Alex Hirsch... This is the question I'm asking him. So I'm super reading into this with no backup. I love how Tyrone treats Paper Jam Dipper. Paper Jam Dipper comes off as being almost, uh, actually coming off as being neurodiverse because he's clearly sentient. He clearly understands what's going on around him, but he just can't vocalize it. And you see how it's set up. All the other clones are like, ew, we don't want to work with him. He's different. And Tyrone is like, don't say that about him. He's a person. Like, he's one of us. And it comes off as, like, how you should treat people who have neurodiverse and, like, neurodiverse people. And he treats him with kindness. And he takes care of him. And he makes sure that he's okay. And Paper Jam Dipper knows what's happening around him. And we see that, like, when he like when he talks in, in subtitles and stuff. And I just, I really love their oh, interaction. Oh, I did not see, I didn't have subtitles on mine. I did not see any subtitles he only has subtitles one time and it's when he's melting and he says oh what is it that he says this is the better route for paper jam dipper Me- meaning oh, like yes no i did see that i did catch oh, yeah that. that was the only time that he has subtitles but it shows that he's clearly sentient and he's been aware of things happening around him and i i just i don't know if that was intentional i don't know if that's what alex hirsch meant to, that to be read as but i have always read it as that i always no, saw, for sure. saw that and for sure. I, what's funny is when he tries to feed him and he's just like oh his mouth is just a piece of paper that i've always loved their interaction that's always been my favorite part of this episode but i i could absolutely be overly reading into it but no no no, no. i'm yeah. gonna read, i'm gonna read more into it I, okay. i'd say so, that covers their ass because paper jam dippers borderline like family guy joke when I saw it, I was like, oh, geez. For one, it's sort of like, oh, somebody who's, what, what was the, the phrase you used neurologically? Uh, uh, neurodiverse. Neurodiverse. Someone who's neurodiverse is a paper jam, you know, or it's just, it's a little, little sketchy. And then the portrayal of him is a little sketchy. But then you find out he's not just sentient, he was intelligent and he actually speaks in a more like verbose manner when you finally see his subtitles and i think that was to i well i don't think that was to like cover their ass but i think it covered their ass yeah (laughs) i think it made it not i i think there were two on the border for being uh sketchy jokes in this one and the other one was dipper please Dipper, please? Someone say, yeah, someone looked at him and goes, Dipper, please. I don't get it. 
It's a play on it's a play on a, a colloquial a colloquialism, which is N word please, which also uh, ends in ER. When when he said Dipper please, I was just like, oh jeez. <laughs> That's where that joke comes from. But then again, I got that joke. Eight year old me wouldn't have got that joke. And if eight year old me got that joke, I guess eight year old me is, already knows anyway. Thirty two year old me did not get that joke. <laughs> And and I mean that joke has been done a lot of times in other things too with other word other words to to make it sound like you know. I'm gonna say I guess, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't know, listeners. What do you what do you what say you? You know maybe maybe it's more maybe that was a phrase more in when I was in my 30s or something. So I heard it more. Maybe. Or, and heard the jokes about it more. You know. Huh. I don't know. No, I think they're still making jokes about. I don't know. Ooh, this is thanks. this also. I forget the show is eight years old too. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I and and this was actually the first time jump. Here's the thing about Gravity Falls. It is two seasons long. It started in 2012. It ended in 2016. Oh, geez. Yeah. This was a a thing of the show that the last I think last week's episode was in June and this one came out in August. They were constantly doing this by getting like just the first six episodes were all together and then they took like a two month hiatus and then they had another run of episodes and then they would take multiple months hiatus. The the finale is broken into three part episodes. It's a three part episode with the last episode being an hour long and. The first one came out, and then the second one came out two months later, and then the third one came out six months later. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I You know. know, I sort of remember that, and I remember people getting a little testy about it. I, it might have been you. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but it's it's just a crazy... Like, I that's that's a big gripe that I have about the show. So, cause on, so on one hand, like, yeah, this particular episode is eight years old. The show itself is four years old it ended four years ago and it's just crazy how they do that because times can change easily in the four years the Mm -hmm. show was running Mm -hmm. all right well actually like when it comes to this episode i like mabel's story more than i like dipper's story so do you want to start with dipper or mabel dipper's story is very tropey there is a really a lesson learned that say the only lesson is something that we've been talking about but he realizes this himself because we've been saying this whole time he gets his in his own way and he's in his own head but being able to see his clones he sees that he's in his own way so like yeah. that, that probably is the only real lesson is he realizes like okay i need to slow down and get out of my own brain a little bit that's that's really and that's just something we've already been talking about because we mm-hmm. realize it as viewers but he finally realized it as a character which is nice (laughs) yeah because like before he even he was you know he was addressing i gotta be myself when i'm around her and not blah 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 and then he actually on his own has a moment with her in that in that way which he basically did himself you know without the clones but his his story is just almost more of like pure entertainment there's there's not even a lot of tension to it because it's not like you're, he, you know he's probably not going to end up dancing with her at this point in the series anyway. Just in general of a, of a 12-year-old kid at that, at that age. If I'm, if I'm putting myself in his shoes. <laughs> There's not a tension of like, if he doesn't do this by this time. Or the clones started like rab- ripping up the town like gremlins or something like that. But it wasn't. It was just sort of like a nice little uh, kind of nice incident. I do like the reveal that uh, Wendy used to be a little dorky as well. Like, I think that's a nice little reveal for her that she wasn't always this cool kid. So I I think that's like a little nice interaction with them, too, because it helps Dipper and her kind of connect a little bit more. But yeah, like, I love Tyrone. I think Tyrone's fun. I like that his name is Tyrone. (laughs) You know what name I've always wanted? Tyrone. And the clones are, I like the clone fight too, because it's how you would expect a bunch of nerds to fight. Yeah. You know, just kind of slapping at each other and twisting each other's arms, but not actually like brawling like a fist fight. So I, I like the clone fight and, and stuff, but that's like, there's really, you're right. I mean, pretty much Dipper's story is us, is him realizing it gets in his own head and it's just fun. You know, you get to see 
all the things. Like to me, like Mabel's story is so much more entertaining, and there's so much more meat to it. They they don't spend as much time on it, but it has way more nuance to it than Dipper's story. Yeah. So when it comes to Mabel, for one, I just love Candy and Grinda. <laughs> I love them too. Um, and and just so you know, they're not one-off characters. They're here for the rest of the show. Oh, I figured that. I figured that. I hope so. It got me to thinking. You actually brought this up in our very first episode of this podcast. It made me really think hard about it. But you had said in the first episode that Dipper is the main character. And I never had really... I I disagreed with you at first, but as we've been going through these other six episodes, you're kind of right. Like, Mabel gets a really good journey over the course of the entire show, but really the first half of the season really focuses a lot on Dipper because we have, like, Dipper and how he relates to Stan and how he relates to Wendy and all this stuff. That's why I really like Candy and Grinda, because they became a, become a way for Mabel to have stories outside of Dipper. Because so far, all of Mabel's stories have been tied to Dipper, and not on her own. And she's been really his support, and I never really realized that, yeah, pretty much for this first half of the show, Dipper is the main character, while Mabel is actually a side character. And I never realized that until you brought it up our very first episode. For, for any kind of, like, we, like you know, finding the book and stuff like that, that's something that a character that's sort of inside their own head like Dipper might would do more. Mabel's more just uh, sort of going with the flow. So she could just she could just exist there with weird stuff going on and just keep going forward. Whereas Dipper's the kind of guy who's like... I, I gotta figure this out. Whereas Mabel might like get it in her head like, let's solve this mystery, but she could be on another tangent by the next day. You know, she could be yeah. like, I want to be a pirate the next day. The 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 mystery part of the story, I think, it, it is almost always going to be centered around him because that's his character type, and it's a it's a it's a good center for uh, the viewers to project themselves because he's kind of, it's that character is also like the way a lot of people like i don't want to say i don't think it's a the right words are blank slate but he's because he's not a blank slate but he's kind the the kind of um he's almost like an avatar yeah 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 he's the kind of character a lot of people would imagine he reacts in a lot of the ways that people would think they would like to think that they would react to it like a detective when really it, they it would honestly be a, reacting like Mabel. <laughs> it makes sense in a town. Yeah, if it, I mean, if Mabel was going to be the center of a show, the show, I think it would be a lot more. They would, you would want to go for a different approach to it. You could have all the sort of same elements, but you would want to go. It would be a more wacky sort of approach to it, and maybe less, less like socialized elements to the story social elements to the story and it would be more of just sort of a chaotic story or something like that that's a really good point because dipper really is the through narrative but mabel's like the heart narrative like whenever they need to stop and slow down it's usually like a mabel episode to kind of recenter them because we're actually getting our first mabel episode next week and it's completely like centric on her but th- that's a really good point. And as you as you were talking, I started thinking about it. Like that's that's actually kind of smart of them, because they needed to set up the mystery and kind of set this up. So having Dipper being like the character that we would all hope that we would react to and and act like in that situation to kind of hook us in. But then we'll start getting more Mabel centric episodes to say like, okay, this is a reminder of like why we need to be optimistic, why we need to be cheerful, why we need to hold on to our childhood. Because that really is the big clash of Dipper and Mabel. Dipper wants to grow up really fast, and Mabel wants to stay young forever. And that is their main clash of the entire show. And, and what, what I like is also when, when like, for, for younger kids watching this, like, when you're presented with Dipper and Mabel, you would think that sort of it would be almost uh, the grasshopper and the ant sort of story where, you know, Dipper would always be the voice of reason and Ma- and Mabel in the first couple episodes, she was kind of like pure chaos and always just sort of messing up whatever Dipper was doing. But at the same time, by the time the episodes are done, it's not like Mabel's doing things wrong. She's just doing the this different thing and usually ends up contributing somehow anyway. So nobody is presented as being like doing things a right or wrong way, you know, or there being a right or wrong way of approaching 
approaching things and like so they work on the limitations of each of their approaches to doing things. And something that's so nice about the twins is whenever either of them reaches their limitation, they complement each other so well that usually the other twin can compensate. Right. And and that's why they're such a great team together. So, but I, I do like the introduction of Candy and Grinda because it does give us more outlets for Mabel to have more story outside of Dipper. And sometimes with Dipper, there's there's definitely a sleepover episode and poor Dipper gets tied up in that. So I don't mean like literally tied up. I mean, like he gets pulled into the, like their sleepover, but that's like awesome, fun, normal teenage stuff. So I, I really do enjoy that. And then plus, I just I just love Candy and Grinda. They're so cute. <laughs> What do you think about Pacifica Northwest? Oh, she's a stereotype. She's just a, a foil stereotype. Maybe we could, there could, I, I could see in the future, there, and, and there's been in, since the 80s, like in the 80s, after the 80s into the 90s, uh, sometimes it happened in the 80s, but mostly not. Like her character would just be the foil, the heel. And then in the 90s, there, there, there was more of a focus on the possibility of redemption arcs for these people. The, the, the popular girl who's kind of nasty like that has psychological reasons for it or can be redeemed and stuff like that. And same with like jocks and, and uh, Stranger Things. They, they did that. You know, I mean, there was the, the occasional like 16 Candles in the 80s had a prom queen character who sort of got redeemed or, or, or humanized you know yeah. more than anything I, but then you have movies like clueless and stuff like that where you had these like really clicky pop- popular bitchy girls from high school but isn't and that also the entire the whole movie point... humanizes them and makes them sympathetic characters you know like isn't that the entire point of the breakfast club yeah there's a that, that sort of <laughs> happens in the breakfast club but at but the like, end you find out why each of them like yeah. are are not stereotypes and like that yeah. is the point and but then even the better they, they all but at the i hate the breakfast i love the oh, breakfast do you? Club. i love the <laughs> breakfast club i watched it like 20 times when i was a teenager but as i grew older and watched it i realized at the end of it all of them like realized how they became who they were or whatever and they were humanized away from their designations as jock, nerd, you know, weird girl, popular girl. And then at the end, they all just sort of uh, like sort of clung to it. They, they sort of said, OK, well, we realize that, but we're going to double down on it. The nerd doesn't end up getting any of the girls. And, you know, you get a hot guy and a hot girl both hook up and then the nerd does everybody's homework for them. <laughs> I, I think you are the probably the first person in my entire life that I've ever heard someone say they hate the breakfast club. No, I don't. But I love it. It's a good movie. It's a great movie. I like John Hughes's movies, but John Hughes's movies, the message underneath them is very I think it's a more of a I don't think it's a conscious thing on John Hughes's part. I think it's more of a, the influence of the times in the 80s. But I don't like the message. The messages of his movies are often like messed up. Like 16 Candles has like raping it, like stuff in it today that's just like, yeah, you should be in, you could go to jail right now. You know, you probably should. And you should probably be calling the cops rather than being like, oh. Then, then maybe yeah. a better example would be one of the most perfect movies ever made. So perfect that they made a Broadway musical of it, Legally Blonde. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like yeah. Where you yeah. have the dumb blonde stereotype, but she ends up becoming a fucking lawyer because she was always that smart. And she, and what I like about Elle Woods, we're going to have an Elle Woods talk for half a second, guys. What I love about Elle Woods is she never stopped being herself. So she was perfect, okay, walking into a courtroom, like in all pink with her little tiny poodle dog. Not a poodle dog, it's a chihuahua. She walks in there and she never stops being herself and she still breaks away from the stereotype, still being herself. And she's kind and she, I'm not saying that Elwood's is Pacific Northwest. They are two very different characters. But yeah, like, you know, we, we've moved away from this like stereotype She might have been, of- been Pacific and Northwest when she was a little girl though. Elwood's can never be Pacific. Elwood's sure. is perfect. You uh, shut your damn mouth. Okay. Okay. Shut your damn mouth. I mean, isn't that what Temper's <laughs> a great character, though, is change and realize, you know. The, the, popu- the popular girls from my high school did not fare well. Well, they didn't fare badly in real life. They didn't, like, rocket to the heights like everybody thought they would. You know, they just sort of went on to, to lead normal lives. 
it was it's strange. I'm sure that there's a couple of them who didn't, but I don't know. For me, I I really like Pacifica a lot. I I like the kind of stereotype she brings, mostly because she brings the best out of Mabel, and I like that for her. I will also go ahead and say uh, Pacifica is another character that's here for the rest of the show. Oh, and, for sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I like because she always brings the best out of Mabel. Because we already know that, like, Mabel is fun and everything, and she's a caring person. But we get to see her be those attributes outside of Dipper. And we see that she's completely loyal to these two people she just met. Because she realizes that Pacifica is wrong, and she's going to stand up for them. She never steps down to Pacifica's level. No, she takes the high road. And what I love about it is they could have just sort of idealized her character. And it wouldn't have been bad. But I think what they did was a step above it. When she was just being completely positive to her, oh, we're going to have fun with this, this is awesome, and all that, I thought that was going to be just sort of Mabel just being Mabel and totally unaware that, so positive that she's not even aware that this girl's like seething rage to and obsessed with winning and stuff like that and views her as an enemy you know it's the classic joke line where someone goes like hey i know you and i don't get along but and then the person goes well i like you but then when pacifica walks away she's just like oh she's going down I you know, know. but she she <laughs> saves it for but that means she did she was being that way consciously that means she was choosing to be the better person over probably wanting to t- tell her to tell her off so I don't know. It makes her a stronger character. It makes her a stronger person. To, I, I it, it makes her a more real person. And it, and it also acknowledges she's feeling negative emotions right now. She's feeling the negative emotions that she's supposed to because that's what that's what Pacific is trying to do. But she's not going to let that bother her. As a matter of fact, she's going to bounce it right back. She's sort of play, She's sort of playing her game right back at her. Yeah, it, it really showcases what's best about Mabel. And how she really is, like, as much as she's been, like, the god of chaos, she's really brilliant. She's she's yeah. a very think-outside-the-box person, which is where it's differ- different from Na- uh, Dipper, no, because th- Dipper's inside the box always, and Mabel's always looking outside the box. We see her, like, beating Pacifica over and over again. Pacifica only wins because she cheats. And Mabel wins, actually wins, because she's just being herself and, uh, you know, trying to do a flip and just, like, jumps up and falls on the stage because that's Mabel. And it really brings out the best of who she is. Even to double down on that, she she does a backflip, falls out, goes, that was for you guys. I know. <laughs> See, she's pulled a lot of, that was, I pulled that trick on stage. You know, I didn't literally say that was for you guys, but... Some form of, I meant to do that, or like, boy, wasn't that stupid, be amused by it, that sort of thing. And also, when you have somebody like Pacifica, this is one of my favorite things to when you're dealing with passive-aggressive, fakey people and stuff, is when you're in one of those situations, if you're a nice person, it's easier for you to fake being nice than it is for them to fake being nice. So you're expending way less energy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and you're just getting the better way the better end of it. So I, I love seeing those little and they do it very well. They do it with one or two lines of dot you know, they do it in two two to three seconds. It's pure cartoon. That's how you do cartoons. Yeah. And it's it's very small, but I also like that we get to see how competitive Mabel is. We'll see this more with her and Dipper. Like, she can get kind of competitive at times with Dipper. But it's nice seeing her, like, getting competitive with something outside of Dipper. And I I think that's the most important part of the story, is it's setting up a story of Mabel outside of Dipper. Because for the first six episodes, Mabel's story has been completely wrapped up around Dipper and supporting Dipper and, like, helping him and figuring stuff out. And even with Gideon, like, Dipper is the one that steps in to try and fix the Gideon thing until Mabel has to step up to do it. And even though, like, that's supposed to be a Mabel episode, like, Dipper is really kind of a driving force through that episode as well. So, like, this entire double Dipper, even though it's supposed to be about Dipper and his clothes, this is probably the first real good Mabel episode of the series. Yeah, her character work in this is way better than his, and they do it in a lot less time, too, so. Yeah, very good. Um, the only other note that I have, and it's just like the tiniest stand note, but it's really, really, really nice. And it's the moment when Seuss is giving out the party crown and everyone's clapping. The whole time, like, Stan's been, like, chasing after a dollar bill, 
But in this moment, he stops, comes up, and just starts cheering for Mabel. And he looks genuinely happy. He doesn't look like a crooked man. Like, he is supporting his niece in that one moment. And it's such a brief second. But it's it's a really nice moment of him just dropping everything because he's going to support his niece. And I really like that tiny little moment from Stan because it says a lot about him. I've only got just some superficial notes. I love the poster. And this episode is filled with, like, jokes that resonate with me and situations that resonate with me. The flyer, and at the bottom it said free with a question mark. (laughs) We used to do that with our parties. We always used to be, like, free. (laughs) And and we did that the first time. My roommate put, put, I like, we wrote free on the bottom, and my roommate went over and put a question mark, and I go, free? And he goes, you always want to have all the options that you can, and we could go either way, right? And might as well keep them confused. And I'm like, let's adopt that. So yeah, that that I, as soon as I saw that, I was just like, oh, this is awesome. That in the beginning when they're shooting each other with the silly puking with the silly string, something I never noticed about the artwork in this that that I should have noticed from the very beginning is there's a definite Peter Bag, B A G G E influence on this and i didn't notice it till they were doing the puke and mabel did like this really exaggerated like with her tongue out she went very exaggerated and it was right out of a peter bag comic it was she looked she looked like a specific peter bag character and i was just like oh my god there's got to be some sort of visual visual love for peter bag going on in this the show i can see that now that you pointed that out and I googled it. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember the name of of the the character from his comics, but there was there was a little girl with pigtails. She doesn't really look like Mabel, but the way like when she would yell or scream or stuff, she would distort in the same sort of ways that they do in this show. And the only other thing that I liked in here was another thing that sort of I liked the little kicker at the end with Seuss playing with his keyboard. That is a that is a keyboard player joke right there. I can tell you what keyboard they're making fun of right there. They're making fun of the DJX keyboard. I am a proud owner of a DJX. I wish I would have thought of it. I should have hooked it up so I could have played through the played through the sound effects board on it. But it was a it was a keyboard made for a DJ and it was made for let's say a DJ that would be more like Jesus, you know, so not a re- like a real like if you were going to go to a New York City club and DJ and you set set up a DJX, unless you were doing something really ironic with it, <laughs> you're going to get laughed out of the because it was it it has like you could play like things that sound like Cypress Hill like samples on it, so you can hold down a key and go. And you can just hold that key down and rap over it and stuff. But then there's one where it's just like, choo, choo, boo, 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 yo, 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 hoo, hoo, hoo. And, <laughs> and, and there were very specific ones that you want, that I wanted to use and show, you know, especially the one that went, hoo. there was a little uh, wheel on there. And when you turn the wheel, it would change the pitch of the note. So you would get the one where it went, hoo, and you would, you would give it a little like, twist of the <laughs> twist of the note and it would go <laughs> I'm just enjoying all these sound effects that you're making <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah there was there was one that went yo 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 there was one of a sex, sexy female voice that goes come on and it has this sort of like reverse symbol going at the same time and then there was another one of a guy going one more time and with with a noise going behind it it's so insanely cheesy yeah <laughs> and watching him play with that was like watching anybody who like turned on a djx and started playing with it it was just like yo and then and like i would and there were times where i would be playing a song and like the wrong you know i would hit it and it would be like <laughs> instead of yo i just enjoyed just the display of sound effects you just made it had wiki wikis in it so you could go <laughs> I was not expecting you to go into like a full sound effect mode. I'm going all out for this show, Hope. I'm, I, I've been singing for it. And... 
You've got the Jamo Time song for this show. I do, I do, I do. Um, I just want to note that I, I think it's very telling that neither of us has a note about Wendy. Uh, Wendy's just sort of, I mean, they, they, they sort of give you the moment with Dipper where Wendy's just sort of herself and hanging out with Dipper and being buddies with him. But for the rest of it, she's just sort of like... A thing that Dipper is trying not, to win? I wanted to say the object of, of Dipper's desire, but she's not objectified in it. But she's objectified in so much as she's sort of objectified in Dipper's head in the in the way that a 12-year-old... He's, uh, but she—he's not objectifying her, and as no, as a, as he's just a twelve-year-old, you know. So he's yeah. like completely gobsmacked and nervous around her, and can't deal with her. But he also has this, you know. I mean, we we saw his little his little like romantic idea of what dancing with her would be like, and then the then the whole like rejection imagination things. Oh, here's my, ch- you know, having the perfect opportunity to ask her to dance and then like taking off. And she was just sort of playing into that. The the person that was driving Dipper to and yeah, I don't I, I, I think it was more it, it was more we were seeing her through Dipper's eyes in this and, show for the most part. And here's the thing about this. I don't mind the writing of Dipper having a crush. I think it's it's normal 12-year-old behavior. I went through it as well. Like, that's not what I mind. My thing is, and Alex Hirsch has actually gone on record that if he could redo the show again, one of the things he would fix is giving Wendy more character earlier on in the show. And he always wanted to write a Wendy episode, but he just didn't get a chance to do it. Wendy really doesn't come into her own as a character until season two, when she actually starts to having stories away from Dipper. And I and I agree with Alex Hirsch on that because I mm, love Wendy. I I love Wendy, but at the same time, like she really doesn't find her footing until well into season two. Well, you got to drive your three main characters too, which and, is Stan, Mabel, and and right, right. And and what's so, his name? So, Dipper. <laughs> so everybody else. Basically, like if I was, you know, creating and writing this and, you know, I would be focused on those three. And then you have even another circle. The the next circle would be Jesus and, and Wendy. And then you would have circles of Wendy's friends. And everybody can sort of change circles as they develop in the show. Their relationships develop. Yeah. But you sort of develop those outer outer ring characters more by probably... Yeah, which characters are more interesting? Maybe one, you know, are more popular or are more have more intriguing potential to them or something. But you have a whole bunch of them on the periphery, and then a few of those are going to get to get a little bit more character in the in the show. But you gotta sort, you know. Yeah, and and I agree with that, and and I I do understand that. And a lot of this is coming from the place of I've seen the entire show because I actually didn't have much of a problem with how they handled Wendy when I was watching this for the first time. It wasn't until I was looking back and I was going, yeah, like Wendy wasn't really much of a character for like most of season one. She was just kind of like the side character. And then she came into her own in season two. That's Um, that's why the good Lord made spinoffs. Yeah. So... And 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 I and I get that too. It's just, it's just more of a uh, going back through this now with a fine tooth comb with you. I'm starting to notice it way more than I ever noticed it before because I'm combing through this show so delicately. Right, right. <laughs> and I and it's it's very glaring now that I'm that I'm seeing it. But actually, you as a viewer watching it for the first time, has it bothered you at all? Plus, we've been doing it for the last five years with Clone Wars and Rebels too, so it's yeah. like. That was a question, though. Like, has it bothered you at all about how they're writing Wendy as you watching it for the first time? Uh, it hasn't bothered me at all. Yeah, she seems to be like developing into the series at a at a at a proper rate at a about at the a same rate that rate. Seuss is. Yeah, maybe a little. She's a little behind Seuss because we got to know Seuss first, but now they're sort of like on equal footing in that side character. I liked how Seuss got called. Um, what did she call him? Jorge? Jorge, yes. Thank you, Jorge. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, Pacifica, you're so terrible. Casual race. Of, there lots of great sketchy, not sketchy jokes, but like kind of, you know, that's that's kind of like just like 
showing the casual racism of like a little white popular girl. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's racial because she was getting Jorge and Jesus, but that it's a classic joke of just the rich popular person or the powerful person not remembering, just always getting the name wrong, uh, stubbornly getting the name wrong of somebody who's below them, you know? Yeah. There's a, there's always Bosco and right away and get on that, Steve. I'm Simon, sir. That's right, Steve. Get on it, you know. But that's all I had. Did you have anything else? No, ma'am. All right, well, let's get into your speculation corner. I do have a question for you. So we see Dipper number three and number four get away on Robbie's bike, and then they are not melted down with the rest of the clones. I was just wondering if you had any general thoughts about that. I didn't. I didn't notice that they never came back. I just sort of assumed that they were sort of back. They they just sort of came back later on in the mix. But that. But now that you mention it, you know, he came back with his bike, so he might have chased them off. Ah, you know, I didn't think of that. That they should come back, and that would be fun to have them come back. But at the same time, it would actually it would be fun to see if they become different, <laughs> for like become feral dippers or something like that. <laughs> feral but, dippers. But like. Um, I didn't. I did. I did not notice that. That it would be very hard for them not to eventually get <laughs> exposed to some water at some some moisture at some point. But no, I did. I did not even consider that. My prediction thing is, I you know at the end there's going to be some sort of situation that they got to get out of. And that that copying machine for one, copying machine's still there and functional, and it wasn't a horrible. It wasn't a like it had horror movie potential. Like Paper Jam Dipper, when he came alive, could have been like something like "Kill me," you know, the pain. You know, yeah. <laughs> it could have been. It could have been in a different cartoon. It could have been a very horrifying thing. But I think it's gonna get used again in order to help them. I don't think it's gonna be Dipper in it though. I think I think they'll they'll use somebody out. They'll use somebody either really big or. There'll, there'll be a, a good sight gag for it, but I think in in the end, or even in some other future confrontation, they'll be like, wait, and uh, they. As a matter of fact, you won't even see him do it. You know, they'll they'll they'll, they'll be like, you know, a, a, a thousand gnomes will come running out of the woods because they just co- copied uh-huh. off a bunch of gnomes or something. But that that copying machine is too good to just not use once especially since it wasn't it wasn't portrayed as being we must never use the copying machine again actually the copying machine was kind of fun (laughs) yeah and fairly handy for a while so we haven't seen the last of the copying machine that's that's what i'm saying any thoughts of uh what might could happen with uh candy grinda or precipica are they just going to be like supporting characters any thoughts about them they might be foils, but they might also they might also end up becoming friends by at some point. I don't think this show likes to have enemies for very long before mm-hmm. you figure out something or there's some sort of sympathy or if there's there's some enemy, it's like the gnomes, just sort of these a, a, like a, an, an annoying scurrilous character or characters or whatever uh, stuff, but like a, a human character that has dialogue and stuff that's going to be like a, a peer of, of them. I don't think the, the writers of the show seem like the kind of people who are going to want to keep her as just like sort of a black and white bad character. You know what I mean? Yeah. Any thoughts on Kenny and Grinda? I'm looking forward to more of them, and I'm looking forward to adding a couple other weirdos to that, to that mix, but yeah. Well, as for part three, we're going to talk about the cipher of the episode. So at the end of every Gravity Falls episode, there is a cryptogram. And once it's decoded, it reads, Paper Jam Dipper says, and then it's just a slew of like random letters, like, (laughs) and that was the the cryptogram uh, for this show. Well, as always, I want to take a moment to thank my wonderful patrons. I love you guys so much. I love you guys forever and always, and I love you. And our, my patrons currently are Billy, Lynn, Patrick, Bree, Alex, Kate, and Heather. All right, Chris, what are your final thoughts of the episode? It might be this might be my new favorite one. Really? This this one had some ad- adult jokes for me in it. You know, this one was get this one was 
maybe played up more to my expectations of what the show was going to be like in the beginning. Like, this one seemed a little more subversive than the other ones around the edges. So I, I, I liked it. I, I, it worked really well for me. This is actually one of my favorite episodes, too. Like, it's probably in my, probably like top 10-ish area, maybe a little bit lower, but it's 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 up there in the better ones for me. I like that it widens the cast because we intru- we're getting introduced to Candy, Grinda, and Pacifica. Um, Dipper's story is fine. He finally come- realizes that he's in his own way, but really, like, Mabel's story is the standout story of this episode. And I like Stan's little moments, and they're fun, and... I also specifically love Tyrone and Paper Jam Dipper so much. I absolutely adore them. So, yeah, that's all I have. Where can people find you, Chris? You can find me at 2TrueFreaks.com. That's the 2TrueFreaks podcast network. Stack to the ceiling with podcasts. And you can also go to Facebook. We have a sort of Facebook 2TrueFreaks world consisting of the 2TrueFreaks podcast page and the 2TrueFreaks cantina. And we are also on Twitter, run by Gene, Gene, the podcasting machine. Gene. And you can also, on Twitter, find run by Hope Mullinex. The, um, what, what kind of machine are you, Hope? Um, anxiety machine? Hope, Hope, the anxiety machine <laughs> runs our, our J-Guys and Jedi Twitter feed, which is the show Hope and I do, which is all, we're, basically covering all the star wars animations, animations that have become yeah. all the dave filoni stuff so we're, we're in star wars rebels right now and uh and that's pretty much where you can find me where can they find you hope actually by the time this episode comes out we might be almost done with rebels yeah we might be yeah 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 we, we might be just finishing up rebels by the time this episode comes out for our patrons so well, of course, this is the podcast for geekygirlexperience.com. You can see all my reviews and writing over there. You can stay up to date with that. Of course, if you're listening to this right now, you are one of my lovely patrons, and I love you. And also, guys, like we're trying to figure out like feedback, so send us feedback. We already got some from Kate. Um, I got some very nice compliments messaged to me from Patrick, Patrick Delmore. Patrick Delmore is really enjoying the show, Chris. Excellent. <laughs> And you can also find me at Hope Molinex on Twitter. Like Chris said, I run our J Guys and Jedi account. And I also write fan fiction over on Archive of Our Own under the name Chaos Lydia. And I'm actually currently working on a She-Ra story. Yay! Because I fucking love She-Ra. Oh my god. <laughs> well, you want to know the title for next week's episode? Yeah. The title for next week is Irrational Treasure. Um... Play on the, a, what was it? A Nicolas Cage movie, wasn't that? Yeah, National. Movie? Yeah, National Treasure. I, I it, haven't it, seen. It, I heard that movie is really stupid, but a riot. I hear it's like stupid Raiders of the Lost Ark. I really with conspiracy like it. Well, the, everybody I know that's seen it's really liked it. They just said, as far as like history goes and reality and plausibility and things like that go, it has no bearing in reality, but. I haven't seen it, but I've heard it's a riot. I yeah, I really enjoyed it, and now and maybe it's because like I haven't seen Raiders of the Lost Lost Ark since I was a child, so I have pretty much no memories of it <laughs> except well, for what I see in like you know cultural pop media things. But I well, I really liked National Treasure. I thought it well, was it, it didn't need a sequel. It didn't. There not were those sequel. movies like National Treasure. I think National Treasure came after them. It was the the Dan Brown books. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, like the Da Vinci Code one. The Da Vinci Code and the other one. And I heard National Treasure, which I didn't like. I, I read both of those books, and the books were decent, you know, page turners, but they weren't anything super outrageously great writing. But the movies I d- didn't enjoy. And, and from what I've heard, the difference is that basically National Treasure is just sort of like... It's fun. The Da Vinci Code that doesn't take itself seriously. That doesn't that, get all stodgy about it. And that's yeah. how you do something like that. It's got to be fun. It's like the another movie that I haven't seen that I've heard is a riot, goofy and dumb, which was uh, the Brendan Fraser mummy movie. I love the mummy. See, that's oh what I'm saying. God. Everybody loves that. Everybody <laughs> loves that movie. They'll, they'll, but they'll say it's not the most intelligent thing in the world. It doesn't make the, the most sense in the world, but it's fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, that's actually the best way to this because I actually really didn't like Da Vinci Code, but that's right. It just right. was. It wasn't fun. It was kind of no. just dumb. And at least with national, took, it was dumb. It was dumb material. Yeah, and taking it seriously, and it's like, no, if it's dumb material, embrace that shit. <laughs> I will say, National Treasure has one of my favorite scenes in cinematic history. And then, and so what it is, is that, like, the girl on their team is running from some, like, bad guy, and she's running through, like, some open-door market, and she just jumps behind a counter and ducks down, and the woman working at the counter is like, you can't be back here, and she looks up and she goes, I'm running away from my ex-husband, and the, the worker looks out and sees the bad guy, and she's like, honey, you can sit here all day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I like scenes in all of cinematic history <laughs> i love it so much <laughs> all right you guys now that we've had a side movie tangent we'll see you next time all right bye 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 hey guys so a few days after we recorded this episode chris sent me an audio file of him messing around on his djx keyboard like the one that seuss has in this episode and he wanted to showcase some of the different sound effects that it could do so I'm going to add this here right at the end of the episode. I just want to give you a heads up. Some of the sound effects are kind of loud. So if you're wearing headphones or if you have this turned up in the car or something, I want to give you a very long warning that a couple of the sound effects are loud. So you might want to just take those headphones out and stuff like that. And this is your chance. Are you good? You, you good? You turned it down? Your ears are fine? All right, you guys. Here is... Chris playing with his keyboard. Bye. Alrighty, Hope and listeners of Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, this is a demonstration of my own personal Yamaha DJX cheesy early 2000s keyboard, very similar to the one Seuss was playing. Uh, it would play beats on it too. You could just hit a black key and get a beat on this, this memory bank. <laughs> So, sound effects. Orchestral hit with male voice. One more time. Pretty much uh, explains itself. Yo, yo, yo. The ever famous yo. Yo, 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 yo. Very funky. Now, I like the woo because on its own, it's celebratory. Woo! Woo! It's just having a good time, but it could be slipping on ice, too. Woo! 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 <laughs> My all-time favorite. Sort of a little frizzle out. How it goes from sexy to disappointed. I can't tell what they're hitting him on the head with. Was somebody getting hit on the head? Go, 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 get up, get up, get up, go, get up, go, get up, go, 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 get up, come on, get up, come on, go, come on, come on.
the sound effects bank. Hey guys, did you know that you were actually two months behind on Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons? My patrons over on Patreon have access to more episodes of this show as well as behind the scene content. Patreon is a great way for you to support this podcast and my website, Geeky Girl Experience, with multiple tiers of content that you can choose from. If you become a patron, you'll get your name shouted out in the episodes, as well as my never-ending gratitude. You can sign up today at www.patreon.com slash geekygirlexperience. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time, and I love you guys. Bye!